For the record and for the benefit of any future legal case, Russell Brand. <laughs> Radio X. You're listening to the Russell Brand podcast. I threw an apple at Matt. It's gone over quite bad. I'm sorry I threw it. No, I don't <laughs> mind. I like horseplay. Do as you? Much as the next guy. Unless the next guy's you who hates that sort of thing. Do I? Yes. Yeah, Look, I let do, me throw this apple at you. Yeah, but that's still got his Look, infrastructure. His fingers up. He's in, he's in debate mode. But uh, wait. Now listen, if reality really is real. Yeah, look, let's test your theory that reality is merely consciousness. And I throw this apple. Look at you, like Bruce Lee, up on his, up on his toes. I'm going to throw it at your head. Accept it into your head. Put your hands you've by got, your side. You've got to con- break that apple down. You didn't accept it. You've, what do you want me to do? You Take a bite You've moved away several bites till it's more or less half an apple. Right, half throw an apple. Throw that bit. So already... Alright, fair enough. But I'll throw it with... Not venom. I'll throw that quite lightly. I'm going to recreate the throw. Give me that. No, you're not having more... (laughs) (laughs) I don't do it again. Not at you. (laughs) Merry Christmas, everyone. No. I'll throw it it over there. Uh, not uh, uh, near the bin area. Grunting old pig whistle. <laughs> All right, this is uh, you're listening to the Russell Brand podcast. It's me and Matt this Morgan. Right, Matt. Yeah, this is the intro. Look how bad it is. Oh, I been... actually like this apple now. It's delicious, isn't it? Let Why me throw this at your head. I'm gonna, but I'm gonna just demonstrate right, to show you. Show me the false. I think it was just like that. Already, um, I've now got a bit I'll throw of it apple. the X logo. No, right. I don't. Do it in is the bin. Is that disrespectful to X? Yeah. Disrespectful Throw it to, to the bin area. Yeah, but it's got, you've got to see the pace right, of the hits. Out the X logo. Right, now this is, I think it was only about this hard. Okay, I can do that. Yeah? What, and you did try and defend you're it. You're such a little you tried to defend You defended it, didn't you? You didn't just stand there. It smacked off my headphones. I didn't even the notice it happening. The isn't actually your head. I didn't for one second believe you'd throw an apple at my head <laughs> in this day and age right. of all the problems in the world. Just stop being a wimp. Why don't you face the wall and let it hit you in the back of the head and then it won't hurt. You've got enough hair there. Where are you oh, going? Oh, look, he can't even do it. Let it just happen. He'll still hate me for this. He's moving. <laughs> this is a piece of apple. Look at that. All right. I'll throw that at my two-year-old though. daughter. That was too hard. <laughs> All right, fair enough. That was you fair. big wussy. Imagine you had to it was the anticipation. be executed in the old way. I probably was in past your lives, head, wasn't I? Tied to a tree. I probably was like that Guy Fawkes program on the telly where they put that woman wait, on the Wait, no, wait, wait, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Can we just talk? Listen, who's going <laughs> to shoot first? Don't shoot me there, because that hurts. <laughs> Listen, you got hit by our I would walk out apple. nobly. We spent the whole show... And I'd say, gentlemen... Talking about survival. I shall haunt you forever. And but then I'd take the... Right, bullets. see you on the other side. This is the radio show. And then we'll pick this up round the back. Russell Brand. Radio X. It's Sunday. That's a type of day. And you are listening to Russell Brand on Radio X. Just now, we had Liam Gallagher come back to me. Shortly, we'll have Noel Gallagher on the show no, with oh, me. Oh, he's not coming in. Well, he's... No, it's right. That was just Liam Gallagher. Forget him. the next bit. Um, hello, Matt. That's annoying, that scratchy noise. What do you mean, scratchy noise? <laughs> that, mate, is some good old religious music. As you know, I like all the different religions. How do you know that's religious? Ah, it probably is. Now, like my, my that's my father-in-law... At my wedding, he went. They had a they had a Christian wedding on one side of the river. Then they came here and had a Hindu wedding. He's trying to hedge his bets, Russell. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what that's what I've been saying. Oh, well, you've been saying. Also, that, there was a bit at your wedding where I was so hungry, mm. right? Because I what, do you remember? Because I'm difficult to get around on a. Well, oh, you tried to take food off my baby. I know we've discussed this. <laughs> 
You tried to snatch food from the... Literally took food out of my child's mouth. Honor out of a baby bag. The sort of thing that a gangster would say to work himself up into an act of violence. (laughs) You actually did. You take food out of my kid's mouth! (laughs) (laughs) You actually were literally doing it. Can I have that banana? Listen, I was so hungry. And then there was a bit where the the Harry Christians came around and we're going to hand out rice. And I was like, oh, thank God. And it was dry rice to throw at you. You could have sucked on a bit of rice, mate. It expands with a bit of liquid. It would suck all the moisture out of your body. And other things that expand with a bit of liquid is this show, because the content that's coming up now is top-notch. And that's not just me saying that. Because I had a meeting with Clive and Dennis. They're the big bosses. (laughs) And like they were telling me how well the show's been going. And do you know what, Matt? They were really enthusiastic. I glanced down to their GAM region, and they were foaming. (laughs) (laughs) They were foaming. What colour was the foam? Pinkish. Foaming at the gams, they were. Gams are your mouth, so... You don't know what gams are. You don't know. You don't... You don't know me. You don't own me. Mr G isn't here. He's wasting his time helping people who've been suffering unimaginable pain. Uh, over. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's obviously a much better thing. You, you stick him with calling him Jesus. I saw him the other day Jesus. and I told him that we're calling him Jesus. Yeah, we've got to say it so it's not Jesus. You've got to say Jesus. All right. Well, Give it a little spin. It's very specific, your religion, mate. I don't think it's going to catch on. Because well, it's not a religion. Well, whatever it is you're it's doing. A name for G. Well, I don't, I don't like it. Well, I've got an idea. Let's call you Jesus. Ah, now, Ow. finally, finally someone has cottoned on to what was staring them in the face for so long that old Russ is the obvious candidate for a Latter-day Saint. Have you been back to church since you got married? Actually, I've been invited to do the ch- a church reading at Remnant Church on the well, after we do our live radio show, our spectacular radio show. Is, is Noel Gallagher going to come to that? Do you think? Apparently, he might do. No, no, he's not no, coming. He can't. There he will can't. be no Noel Gallagher. I say we start really quite vociferously backing the career of Liam Gallagher. Not that he needs it, because he is the new Elvis by all accounts. Mm. Isn't he? Well, anyway, we're doing on the live radio show. After that, I'm leaving promptly, mate. And I'm going to Remenham Church, where I'll be doing the reading. I've got it on my phone, what I'm reading. I think it's saying about Abraham. Remenham, that's a funny word. A lot of the places near where I'm from are called weird things that sound like someone who's not quite committed to the English language. Everything's called stuff like that. So later on on the show, Matt, we're going to be talking to Wim Hof again. Hang on, what are you doing in a church? I didn't understand that at all. <laughs> Why didn't you pay attention? I thought I was giving you golden content. What's wrong with you? I, old Russ, yes. look at me as I stand before ye now. Yes. I'll be doing a reading at the church and it's something to do with Abraham. I can't. didn't read the full well, email. Well, in a normal service you're doing the reading. Yeah, you know you go to church. Everyone gets to do that if you want. Most people don't even want it. I want it and I'm doing it and it's going to be in a church. M&M. <laughs> I'm Slim Shady, I'm the real... Yeah, I'm going to be at Remenem Church doing my uh, new rap from Ecclesiastes or something. What would a Harry Krishnas say? Well, I'd invite him along. Look, look, the perennialism is the answer. Find the best bits of all religion or the consistent bits, the true bits that are in all of them, and then see if you can make a book out of it. And uh, <laughs> Sell it in Smiths! Don't make Smiths! For a pretty penny. So we've got Wim Hof coming up later. He's the, he's the ice man cometh. The ice man will meet the yuck man. I be in the yuck man. I've embraced it. People sometimes at gigs go, hey, that yuck man. And I go, ha, ha, ha. I'm gigs or just in the street? or Street sometimes when I'm sort of... You think they've heard the show? Some, no. So possibly. Sometimes I'm rummaging in my compost, getting my fingers right down <laughs> into my compost, which I keep in my undergarments, my bloomers. And I'm right down there giving it a mix-up so all the worms get all nice. And I go, there he is. There. 
there's the yuck man. <laughs> oh, off. a couple of radio fans. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, tune in. Stay tuned to Radio X. Oh, you're on the radio. That's right. Blimey. That's right. This is all part of the show. It's a bloke watching me from outside. Like, just that. Out of context, I'm just a man dancing through a glass panel. And if you would like to be behind that glass panel, you can be. There are literally two places, or I don't know how many places there are. You've got to put in the. Well, there's two things here. There's the glass panel, which right. is now Why covered is in num- a snow drawing, so no one will see anything. It's like a Banksy snowscape, is what it is. Someone's created a Christmas snowscape thing. with stencils. stencils. Right, and then there's the live show. So What's that meant to be that they've created there? There's a bridge, but there's a London cab. There's a mountain in the background, and there's there's a sort of a Christmas Christ flying guy going through the sky. That's Santa Claus. I know him. <laughs> I remember him from when I was a lass. Troublemaker. Beautiful Christmas scene. Well, anyway, you could be behind a glass panel. Health and safety clearance has been achieved. Just come down here whenever you want. Doesn't matter what show's on. Demand access behind a glass panel, say. Use, say, oh, Russ sent you. The yuck man cometh. Anyway, we'll be talking to Wim Hof later. We'll be talking about how to handle sub-zero temperatures, which is I, I've learned from just being friends with Matt Morgan from his icy cool Hang on, lack I, of human you've warmth. You've got my little leggings, my thermal leggings. You're never having them back. Come on. I wear them sometimes. I've got a top that matches them. They're very sheer, ain't they, darling? They're lovely. Don't take Nanny's tights back. Nanny needs them. Them's holding in Nanny's thrombosis. Come on, I want them back. Nanny's glands need to be pressed. They're too short for you. Otherwise, the squidinkle come out. The the squidinkle link. They're not. Look, I look nice in them little tights. I can imagine you in them. You gnomish figure. (laughs) (laughs) Swinging about in that tent. They wouldn't suit you. They're too futuristic. I bought them. They're mine. I like, gave them to you out of <laughs> kindness. I want them back. Don't tell me they're not good enough for me. Wrong attitude. Wrong attitude. Look, so if you want to email me, you can. It's uh, russell at radiox.co.uk. And you can look at me on Twitter. Oh, you just look at me there. There I am. Or Instagram. Or you can look at Matt. on Matt underscore Morgan on Twitter if you yeah, want to. Yeah, do follow me on Instagram. Do follow me. I haven't done anything on there for Why? a while. Why? Why have you lost interest? I sort of lose interest. Life. What's and there's too many messages, I can't get through them all. Oh dear, look at you now, what are you fiddling with in your hands bottle now? bottle lid. What's wrong with you? Oh dear, repression, repressed rage. If you want to see me, just, you can. Alright, look, I'm doing my tour, aren't I? Come Harrogate, 12th of December. Newcastle, 4th of December. Brixton, 19th of December. All extra added shows because I'm so good at jokes. I listen to um, the Ed Stafford Under Your Skin. Go on. Brilliant. It's not under your skin. It's not like I pop people's finger beneath some sort of expansive skin I've got. Like a loose bit of skin that's left from when I was a chubby teenager that had been stretched to breaking points, all held together with stretch marks, like an old hammock. Now, listen, Mm. what's it about the adverts in the middle that you do? (laughs) When we used to, we were meant to do those and you refused and I had to do them. Yeah. And you made it impossible. Did I? Now, you go for it, don't you? Go on. You even do the lie that you've been using the product. <laughs> Which it's one new for? toothpaste. It's wonderful. <laughs> I've been using it all week. My teeth have never looked whiter. And I'm thinking <laughs> he's going to do a joke now. No. <laughs> on to the next thing. <laughs> do you smoke cigars? I know I do. <laughs> it's like that, all the way through the middle. <laughs> Listen. And there's a bit where you go, my book's out, my tour's out. It's all a big sham to sell stuff. <laughs> Trying to listen to Ed Stafford talk about surviving. Listen. You kept interrupting, trying to sell stuff. That's free of charge, that podcast. Free. Why don't you be grateful? Why don't you look up to me? Look up to me like a nobleman instead of cheeking me. You look up to me me when I used to do adverts. 
I had to sell pants. They were the only people who'd sponsor our previous work. That's right. But now we've gone right up the ladder. Sylvanian families. Only from Tommy. A little Sylvanian family. Look at this little filthy face. Hedgehog, little mouse one. Get yourself a Sylvanian family. But if you're doing that, right? Yeah. Because I've got nothing against that. Yep. You should do a normal advert on telly and get a million pounds. What for? What? What product? Yeah. I was going to say, Mammoth. million pounds. No, but what, no, what's the product? What's the I product? I don't know. Phones or Come something. On, mate. Anything. Look, Matt, I don't want to break your little heart, but I'm a controversial figure, and as many people will be repulsed by that advert that will be inspired. No, you honestly put it put it out there. Put some Dulux out. paint. Do 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 paint. Don't give it away. Get some. No, I wouldn't use Dulux anyway. I'd use Farrow and Ball. I'm posher than that, ain't I? No, oh, you just completely cut out half the market. Dulux paint. <laughs> do, 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 Dulux paint. No, I think you should do an advert. I don't want to do an advert, mate. Look, I'm only doing that to keep the podcast nice and free. And you look at them companies. They can't do any harm. That one that's about mattresses or something. They give a homeless person a mattress every time they sell one or something. I can't remember the details. Do they? That must Something be quite like inconvenient for a homeless tree. person to they move around. Help me! One of, the, one of the benefits of being homeless is you're quite free to move around. Imagine dragging a mattress around London. It's like you've been reduced to a human snail. Yeah. Drag that mattress about. Oh, I'm going to give them a porcelain trip. bathroom set. <laughs> Here is a toaster, <laughs> a kettle, and a Breville sandwich maker. <laughs> Which I actually did give to a homeless person once, no, didn't you I? Did. And then, well, yeah, it was... It was part of a show that we were doing. And actually, as I recall, Matt, you let me down quite dreadfully that evening. Halfway through the show, I stopped being in the show and became part of the audience. It was a sensible decision. Although I don't know who was worse off, really. The audience or the participants. back into the audience. No, the audience were much better off. Were they? Well, that yeah. Because there's no sense of shame. Because they could leave and go, what was all that about? I know, they were all top agents there, weren't they? I didn't even have microphones. I was on terrible drugs. I'd invited the joint squad, a lovely young group of rappers that I was enamoured of of the time. Homeless people, toasters getting broken. After the show, the only way I could cheer myself up was nocturnal activities. That's that's all there was to it. Simpler times for old Russ back then. What year that was? Two thousand and two. Two thousand. Well, still on drugs, so wasn't I? And and also I gave uh, and also I gave um, the the homeless people a toaster, didn't I? Well, it was a stunt. No, what we did was there was some homeless people who were friends of ours because we'd done a documentary with them. Alan. They were outside the venue begging. Homeless James. This was the sort of idea. I put them there. Yes, I know I'm telling you this. All right. I'd put them there. I remember. (laughs) By Jove, a race around the world will leave from Leicester Square. I'll see you at our club in a matter of months, my man. No, and the idea was that then you go... I mean, I don't know why it was so aggressive to the audience. You come out and go, you didn't even get, look, how much money did you give those homeless people, you lot? And then it was a bit where you counted it out and it was like four pounds. You went, you, that's not enough. (laughs) Right? And everyone was like, oh. That was when it started to tip over into madness. And then you said, I've bought them a toaster, a kettle and a Breville maker Mm. as a sort of ironic ironic gift. And then because the sort of that bit was sort of everyone was confused if they were really homeless or what was going on because you didn't have a microphone. You then stamped on all those things. Well, there was a bit, one of the, the kettle, I think, made it through. And I remember when the Joint Squad, it was great art. And when the Joint Squad were up doing their aggressive rap about Hackney, uh, my aunties, Janet and Joan, who were in the front row, I watched my auntie Joan sort of very slowly and meekly reach forward and take the kettle to protect it. Oh. <laughs> like I was just thinking, well, at least still get a kettle out of it. I thought they were, really, for the homeless man. She, yeah. she didn't get the joke. 
God love them. So, uh, well, at least we've moved on. We've become much more professional entertainers. And if to demonstrate that, there's going to be an advert. And after that advert, there will be a person calling themselves Dr. Lindsay Fitzharris, who is going to explain to us stuff about Victorian medicine, Victorian butchery, Victorian surgery and the roots of medicine. Is it not really a form of alchemy? Can we trust anyone? The medical establishment, Big Pharma, is it not new sorcery? Don't they kill as many people as they cure? Those are just some of the when questions. You say Big Pharma, and I've always thought this. Don't you just think of a big pharma? A big pharma who's much bigger than normal people. Hello, with big purple fists. Stay away from them turnips. I worked hard on those. I'm big Pharma. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, I won't touch those sheep again. Now let's have a little guy called Bradley Advert communicating whatever it is he needs most deeply in this moment radio x russell brand and that was old mr jessup he works here and he says that he wanted a career in rock and roll we said just record something we'll play it on our show that was it very good i say old mr jessup bright future apologize to mr jessup for the eating that's going on it's probably undermined his big moment jessup I said I'd give you a break. I didn't say I'd be reading from DeBrett's book of decorum and manners while doing it. Oh, lordy da! Oh, Jessup, <laughs> we dragged you up in a gutter! <laughs> and you complain about the quality of my eating noises. Now, Matt, now, Matt, now, Matt, we've agreed to do this show, and I say that there's an obligation to make the content sparkling. That is why we're interviewing a proper person from the actual realm of physical phenomena. Mm. Okay? It's Dr. Lindsay Fitzharris, uh, and like, this is it. As a young child, Dr. Lindsay would drag her grandmother from cemetery to cemetery. Oh, I hope she was still alive. She was. So that she could hunt ghosts. Some have said she was obsessed with death at an early age, but she likes to think she was fascinated with the past, with the people who lived there in the past. Thus began a lifelong obsession with history. She's got a fantastic book, The Butchering Art, by Dr. Lindsay Fitzharris. I am going to be interviewing her now, and I... I'm gonna. I don't want to spoil it, but I've got a feeling it's gonna be an extremely good interview. Matt, any tips before the interview commences? Listen to the lady. <laughs> Didn't hear what you just said there, mate. Let's plow on with the interview using skills honed over a lifetime. Doctor Lindsay, are you here? Yes, I'm here. Thank you. Are you an American? I I am. Yes, this Chicago accent. I've lived here for 15 years, but I can't get rid of this accent. Well, what you've lived here in our country, Britain, for fifteen years, and you're, you're keeping the accent. Yeah, yeah, I'm holding on. I'm holding on strong. Brilliant. Now we're quite fascinated with this book, The Butchering Art. For someone who's stupid, it, it's Matt. <laughs> would you explain what this book's about? So, The Butchering Art is about the brutal and bloody world of Victorian surgery before anaesthetics, before antiseptics, and it's about one man's quest to transform that through antiseptics, so germ-fighting techniques. But it's really bloody, it's really brutal. So if you're going to pick it up, you better have a strong stomach. I have, actually. But Matt's got a very weak stomach. <laughs> no, I've got a strong stomach. No, you haven't. You always quit. Oh, no, I can't eat that. It's got gluten in it. Oh, that's, yeah, that's not what that means, bottle. is it? Isn't it? It doesn't mean that if you're allergic to gluten, you can't read it. <laughs> well, let's find yeah, I, out. I don't, I, yeah, let's catch that theory. Um, I've been going around the UK on book tour right now, and actually two people have fainted so far on my you're book You're kidding talk. me. You're like Elvis. Yeah, that, that gives you an indication of kind of what's, what's uh, in the book. Why do you think, do you think then that a century from now there will be a version of Dr. Lindsay Fitzharris touring our current <laughs> medical practices to squeamish, futuristic, hybrid types? Oh, yeah. And they'll think, yeah, oh, absolutely. bunions. 
will they? <laughs> yeah, I think that in, in 50, 100 years, we'll definitely look back at certain things and wonder, you know, how people survive. But looking back at the past, I just, I can't imagine having a leg removed without any anesthetic. I can't even have my teeth cleaned without any kind of numbing agent. Yeah, so as when I cut my nails, particularly, say, for example, the big toe or the big thumb now, I feel, <laughs> oh, these guys, I should be given something from this, just a more and more. <laughs> Or perhaps, what, what's that lovely drink they used to have in Victorian times? Laudanum. Laudanum. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was pretty dangerous. Was um, it? Patients in the hospitals were generally given nothing. Um, these were poor patients. One of my favorite surgeons from the period is called Robert Liston, and he's 6'2". He's very tall for his, um, for his era. And he was so fast that he could remove your leg in under 30 seconds. Uh, that, wow. the, I don't think speed is the factor when it yes, comes it to if you've got a painkiller, right? Yeah, lop it off. Yeah, yeah you but... would want your surgeon. You would want your surgeon to be fast. In fact, he actually makes a name for himself in 1828 because he removed a 45 pound scrotal tumor in under four minutes. My God, <laughs> can you get me this man's number? <laughs> <laughs> Does he still practice, sir? Yeah. I've got something abominable but exciting to show you. In 30 seconds, you're going to have a lovely new footstool. They could have removed. They... <laughs> They could have know, removed I, the leg in a, in one second I, if they'd used the guillotine that they had in France. Oh. Yeah, that people have people have brought that up, but actually, what they needed to do was they needed to remove um, the leg, but not necessarily all the skin because they needed to cover the stump. Uh, obviously, so you couldn't right. just so you couldn't just like chop it off like that. Clearly, yeah, you just chop but it, off. it would have been so a great idea. It would have been a great idea. Otherwise. For an idiot, <laughs> for an idiot, it's a very good idea. <laughs> Matt's trying to flog inventions last week to an entrepreneur. There are things like metal boxes and shoes that expand over time or something. It's absolutely ridiculous. Will you tell us some of the more graphic, gory stuff? Because let's face it, that's what we're interested. In. I mean, you've gone yeah, in hard with a 45-pound scrotal tumour. <laughs> yeah. in, in a way, if I had a scrotal tumour, and I don't, by the time it was at a pound, I'd go, can someone have a look at this? And then when it two pounds, yeah, like, exactly. 45-pound, he's not very interventionist, that patient, was he? People ask me that all the time. Why would, why would you let it get to that point? But you have to remember, going to these hospitals, they were incredibly dirty. People died all the time. Um, but still, you would think after, like, five pounds that you would go see a surgeon if it was a scrotal tumor, but this guy waits till it's 45 pounds. But How you did, he must have worn maybe a whalebone skirt to conceal it under, yeah. like a space opera. Just carried a, yeah, maybe carried around in a wheel, wheelbarrow. I, I don't even know how he kind of was mobile. Develop an point, identity he, for it. Say it's a co-joined yeah. twin. Say it's got magical yeah, powers. Yeah, it had a name. And, um, but he, he actually survived, which is incredible. Um, but Robert Liston... Had and do we know what happened to his descendants? They were the Morgan family. <laughs> Matt Morgan, grown from the tumour. Yeah, oh, we would descend from that doctor who could do things really fast. Guy, right? Look, listen to the There's guest. There's probably listeners out there who remember this kind of this urban legend in their family that their you know, great-great-granddad had a tumour removed. Yeah, but no... Patient, uh, Patients weren't always that brave. One patient of Robert Liston's, he's going to have a bladder stone removed, which was a really awful oh, operation. Mm. And... He decides that he's not going to go through with it. He jumps off the table. He runs into a closet and listens, six two of him, chases after him, opens the door, rips the door off, and drags the patient back to the table and removes the stone. Wow, I've respect, eh? Liston's prepared to, he's not like a pussy footing around. It's like, I've, look, I've had this appointment no, in the diary no. for months. I'm cutting a bladder stone out of there. If they had morphine. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's doctor. dedication to patient care for sure. Doctor, if they had morphine, why weren't they using morphine? 
Um, they didn't really, um, at, at this point in my in, in the tale, it's sort of early Victorian period, so they don't have morphine at this point. Mm. Um, they start to learn how to inject morphine intravenously later in the 19th century. Um, but, uh, oops, sorry, my voice is all What are you doing, Doc? Telling all these horrible... You're sickening yourself. <laughs> You're making yourself <laughs> throw up with, with, your own, <laughs> with your own butchering art book. Hey, look, I'm, I know my book. That, my book is ironically about the dawning of germ theory, and I have been spelled by germs on this this eight week book tour that I've been on. Oh wow, <laughs> that is that is almost like it. Yeah, germs are taking their vengeance for you trying to yeah, unravel their mystery in history. Doctor, exactly. I've just glanced at your book. I've seen two hospitals. I've been to both. One is the Edinburgh Royal Infirmary, where I got my leg stitched yep. up after an act of extreme silliness, and the other one is the, <laughs> the Royal Free Hospital in Hampstead, where I went there loads of times and I tried to nick a. Uh, well, there's no nice way of saying it. Fetus in a jar that was held in this formaldehyde sort of storage facility. Oh my so, goodness! Yeah, I was, I was young then, and I made strange choices. Now, um, so but the, all these hospitals, then they're standing on the shoulders of giants. They've been there for, for ages and ages. They're great lineages. They're great institutions in a way, like churches or something. Yeah, they've been there for a very long time. But if there was a point, so my book is about a guy named Joseph Lister. If people know his name, they probably know it because of the product Listerine. Oh, wow. Um, it was named after It's him. a damn yeah. good product. A damn good product and actually not a mouthwash at first. It was actually used to treat gonorrhea. So a little life hack. Oh. No wonder I'm drawn to it. <laughs> <laughs> Two yeah, for one. Just throw, some, throw some Listerine on it. It'll be fine. One for you. One for you. <laughs> exactly. Um. But these hospitals, yeah, they, they've been around for a long time, but they were so full of germs and people didn't understand germ theory, of course. So it was discussed seriously that the only solution to this problem was to burn these hospitals down from time to time and start anew. So Joseph <laughs> comes along, which would have been amazing. Can you imagine all these hospitals just burning around the country? But Joseph Lister comes along and he actually saves the hospitals because he takes germ theory and he applies it to medical practice. And he develops germ-fighting te- techniques through antisepsis. How, how did he evolve and develop this theory? And what, what state was germ theory in prior to his involvement? And why so was it not in hospitals already? Yeah, I mean, people didn't understand how disease would spread. They, they typically thought that it was spread, uh, spread through bad smells. So mm. if you um, remember, like, the plague mask, you know, that big beaked mask? Yes, I do like that, yeah, that's, uh, that was developed in the 17th century for, by plague doctors, and they would wear it, and they would stuff sweet-smelling herbs at the bottom of the beak to protect themselves from the bad smells of the plague. So people thought that it was bad smells were related to disease. They didn't understand that germs existed. So mm. in these hospitals, surgeons, they didn't wash their hands or their instruments. And as oh. a result, these operations become slow-moving executions. Ooh, um, so, slow-moving executions? So yeah, and the post-operative infection was just on the rise. So what Lister does is he takes Louis Pasteur's germ theory. Louis Pasteur develops germ theory in the 19th century, and he applies it to medical practice. So I like to say that the butchering art is a love story between science and medicine because it's the first time that a scientific principle is applied to medical practice. Prior to that, what principles had been applied? Well, really, it was just—it was called miasma theory. It was that idea that bad smells. Um, so that bad smells—they were operating on the bad smell game. Like, because for me, like yeah. science and medicine are indistinguishable. But it's it's difficult to sort of think that it, having a sort of folk tradition of like but wise just, women the, the and bad herbalists. smell is the beginning of bacteria and stuff. Yeah, isn't it? So absolutely. I right. mean, it, it's, mm. 
yeah, it's really hard for us to understand. And of course, when Lister comes along with his ideas, people really are resistant to it because imagine ah. a young doctor and he says that there's... Is he hunky, can I ask? Is he a hunky young he's, doctor? Uh, Is there any pictures of him? He's, he's been looking early on in his life when he kind of becomes sort of Grinch-like later on in, in the way... <laughs> that must have been very hard for him. Hello, I'm <laughs> Dr. Lister. I can cure you of your ailment. Oh, bloody hell, oh, Christ. <laughs> He, he wasn't exactly a looker at the end of his life. No. Hey, I've just realised something that I think is going to knock everybody's little socks off because it's one of the great announcements of history. Here goes, everyone. Now, they used to think it was all smells and that. Then they realised it was the subtler energy of germs. If this trajectory continues, do you think we'll ultimately end up in some ulterior realm that supports all mechanical phenomena, some sort of realm more akin to consciousness than anything else, a sort of an underlying realm that supports and provides the frequencies upon which matter operates? And before you laugh, remember that... If you do, you're casting yourself in the role, Matt, or you, Doctor, in a long, (laughs) beaky, snout, nosegay, people. Because as Melville (laughs) says in Moby Dick, a book I believe I'm reading, he says, all human science is but passing fables, while we temporarily have a little bit of knowledge that seems like the periphery of what's possible. So, what do you think about my theory? Things will get subtler and subtler. That is a very hard-hitting question at the end of this. Of course (laughs) it is. What do you expect? I, I, you know... That is the question. I hope people pick up my book and they wonder what, you know, what we know today isn't what we're going to know tomorrow. And science and medicine is constantly changing. How we understand the body is constantly changing. So we need to have an open mind to that. What happens when you sever... She brought it back to the book. Nope. From a place of complete madness. (laughs) I'm taking it back. When they they severed those legs off in 30 seconds, old quick, quick snip, what do you imagine he saw when he sliced through that leg? A lot of blood. There was, there was. Um, I think there's about twelve arteries that come down, uh, and they have a, a hook-like instrument. Are you okay there, Matt? Are you going to faint? That's um, amazing. Like That's but once they have this hook-like instrument. Actually, yes. you know what? One of the things I show um, on my book tour is I came. I did this book uh, trailer with my friend Alex Anstey, and he's a he's a filmmaker, and we recreated a pre-anesthetic operation, and people just can't take it. It's just so visceral. You can find it on my YouTube channel called Under the Knife. Um, but Good title. It, it is very, it's very gruesome. Um, but yeah, you would have seen tons of blood. Of course, it took several assistants to um, to sew up the leg. Yeah. But it all had to happen very fast or you could bleed out. Certainly. But once that liquid had dried, you would see surely <laughs> a cross-section, a network of cells like a honeycomb through the bone, <laughs> through the arteries, a honeycomb of cells, and within each cell, an egg or a larvae, a glorious cross-section. Mm-hmm. Is that possible, Doc? I, I really wish that the audio version of my book was read just like that. Actually, funny enough, they came to me with this actor's name named Ralph Lister, and I said, wait a second, is he related to Joseph Lister? And they found out that he is, in fact, a descendant. Did he get the gig? Yeah, yeah. I was like, I don't even care what he sounds like. He's got to read it. He's he's related to Joseph Lister. I'd have to hear his voice. The implications of his methods began to dawn on Lister (laughs) as each year provided (laughs) more proof they'd worked. I now perform (laughs) an operation for the removal of tumours. Was that what it was like? I would still listen to that. I would still listen to that book. I would. Why not? <laughs> Doctor, the butchering art is available from wherever you can get things. Probably the internet's a good place to get them. I'm holding a copy of it now. It's satisfying to touch. It's wonderful to talk to you, Doctor. Thank you for giving us an insight in, so into much. that grotesque and yet glorious world. Thank you, Doctor.
It was a window to Thank the past. Thank you so much for enduring that horrible uh, We liked it. No, Thank there's you. nothing too gruesome for me. <laughs> Yes, there is. You can't no, even cope not. with your own clothes. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much, Doctor. And, thanks, guys. Uh, well, best Thank of luck you. with Thank the you. book and everything, mate. Ta da. See ya. Cheers, Bye. 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 Well, mate. Well, what's your what? What's wrong with that? I call her Doctor. <laughs> doctor, mate. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? Isn't it? Doctor. Everyone's same. Spy, I see it. You don't know any about anything about all that stuff. Yes, I do. What about Louis look, Pasteur? Mate? She mentioned. What's he done? What did he do that we still do every day? We Louis Pasteur, Matt, was the inventor of mini milk lollipops. Oh, you're not far off. He, inv- he invented that by pasteurising it up his little spile, freezing it, and then sticking an emery board into the centre of that mini milk. Don't you know what? So you sort of. Of course, I know. I'm not interested in. Tidbits and little bits of fact, like well, bunts. I Go had on. to learn all that at school. Well, I don't I know what you were doing there, you little square, squirrelling away information for the future. What a nerd! <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't listen to a single thing they said. It's never hurt me, kids. Oh yeah, if you that are was listening, shown by dunk. your silly question about oh, if there's germs and bacteria now, you think that in the future there'll be even smaller things, and so people will go, oh, remember when we used to believe in germs? When it's really, it's not even reality, it's just dreams. The symphonics of the material world are being conducted by a deeper frequency, the same way as the planets are moving in their spheres, according to forces that we can only peripherally understand, like gravity and motion. Anyway, I'm talking to Brian Cox and Under the Skin soon, and by God, have I got some questions for that fella. All right, now let's have a quick commercial break and then we'll come back from that and Matt and I will both be shirtless. Russell Brand Radio X. There, what a lovely song that was. I believe it was just by little Sarah Kelp, a lovely little match girl working on the square. I said, listen, if you can record it quickly, we'll play it on the show. And she said, um, I'll sing this if, if that's all right with you. And uh, she did just that. And I think we're all rather impressed with little Sarah Kelp, are we? Yes, we are. Now, the reason Matt's not answering is because he's not here. He's gone to the lavatory. We've got a great show coming up. We've got Wim Hof. He's going to be coming on. He's the man that can control his anatomy. He can control germs and probably be well into a lot of my theories about ulterior realms, conducting and controlling the material world as we understand it. Email here from Arthur Stovall. Dear Russ and Matt, in response to Matt's idea of tree set, I've knocked up a logo for it. I'm a graphic designer and was sat in work listening to the show and when the men's mental health charity idea was mentioned I realised there was a perfect logo that could work for it if you take the reset power symbol and turn it upside down it looks like a tree Arthur Stovall however Arthur continues there's no point doing that festival as it's a terrible idea unlike Russell's idea for a festival beyond with all sorts of brilliant collaborators well, Matt will soon be in here and he'll never know that that happened. Ha, 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 ha. Hello, Matthew Morgan. How have you been? What were you doing in that toilet? Thinking about Victorian butchery like you do normally was that, anyway. Was that what you... Are you responsible for what's in that toilet? <laughs> what's in Plus there? the graffiti. <laughs> There's if a the, toilet brush at the side of the toilet. What, like it's just discarded? Look, one of my policies is I leave toilets spotless. Do you know why? Because Gandhi did. Do you know why? Because he was humble. Do you know why? Because I'm a bit like Gandhi. In fact, if you rhyme brand with Gandhi, you'll see that it does rhyme. And if you put an H in brandy, then I'm probably the new political Gandhi. Thank you. Thank you so much. Now, while you were in the toilet, 
me and the listeners had a bit of a chat <laughs> about you, and we're worried sick. <laughs> we're worried sick about you. We're worried that you look peaky. We're worried you're down in the dumps. We're worried about your full stop. Now, what's been going on? Tell me about your week. What's my full stop? Oh, right. We're worried about you. Full, full stop. stop. Right. Yeah, we're not worried that you've got grammar hanging around you, punctuation lurking. <laughs> Come on, tell us. Tell us. I'm fine. What's been going on this week? Provide some content. Provide some. Um, content. Well, Tree set is taking off. Tree set? What do you mean? <laughs> Tree set. My, uh, Silly idea. My charity or... I don't Match know what charity? Listen. Charity begins at home. In your case, an old folks home, you old fuddy-duddy. Look at you. Better than your stupid... What's it Beyond called? Beyonder! You're sick of reality. You know you can't trust politics. You can't trust any of the old institutions. Who can you trust? Russell Brand, who's been working to bring about new realms, new glory, new dimensions, new systems. Beyonder, beyond the norm. Oh, no. What's the matter? I can just see you going around the site. What am I wearing in this image? How much would charge you for face painting? It's face painting for a ten, I know. Put that to twelve. Come on. There will be. And if someone's got a big face, fourteen. Come on, think. Think, guys. That face is like a bin lid. <laughs> right. <laughs> I've done a whole lipstick on that kid. <laughs> it will be like that. Mate, how can how it be? How much are we making on these vegan snacks? Stafford, he's involved. Driving I've got around some that of place. the best brains in Britain. Alan Sugar with long hair. Alan Shearer is someone that will be involved. Penalty shootout competition with Shearer. Who can get a beach ball? £15 to watch, £20 to play. Right, <laughs> who's in? Look, let's do yoga. I can stand on my head. There we go. That's 10 to watch that. Look, Matt, this festival, beyond is it finally a chance for us to tree set ourselves Oi, and return to a glorious <laughs> not for money money's for love this ain't for money I've already said I don't need to make money out of it for the first five ten years till it's a proper religion then we can start <laughs> how, will you to police, the levels. how will you police the perimeter because people have got a, I mean well we've already found a location brand events have <laughs> uh, found a location it's going to be good this we've Where? got some it's going to be in the countryside. Island surrounded by the sea with one little path to it. No, no, no. It's going to be in the countryside on a stately home. There were loads of people who just turn up and climb over the wall. They can climb over if they want, man. It'll oh, be like yeah. Woodstock. Oh, yeah. Of course they can. Come in. People are going to have to have little tickets with like their own face on it. I've suggested Holograms. a small chip under the skin. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we've called our podcast Under the Skin to prep people for the idea that in this utopian future, everyone nicely tagged and bagged so, for El Presidente. Set. Tree set. This is a real thing. Mate, I read that while he was in the toilet and it went over very badly. Dennis and Clive. Yeah, he's done a logo. It's upside down tree. We read it. Dennis and Clive came down and their gams were bone dry. (laughs) The idea. Listen, there's a brilliant logo by Arthur Stovall, right? Bone dry gams. It's the power button from a from a like I computer know, or something. If you invert I know you it, know. looks like a tree. It's brilliant. It's a. It's called tree set. It's a, got a great logo. It's already kicking Sounds off. Like a so many men school. have been in contact with me. I bet saying, they have, mate. I've seen your. I've seen your Instagram page. Saying you look that, like a little male model. Some of those topless shots of you waddling out of the sea. Well, that helps. I mean, that that's like putting the feeler. George out, Allen in Derby. Hi, Russell. 
I suggest the following pr- proposition tweak to your brilliant Beyond a Slogan. The festival you don't get out of your head, you get in your head. That's George Allen from Derby. Just one of the people pretty keen to be involved in this. No, I like your idea. It's nice that you invo- want to do something for someone else for a change. You've used this entire radio show to ransack people for second-hand goods. <laughs> Poor Adagio Tees has probably gone into liquidation. <laughs> You're guzzling down gallons of their filthy gnats <laughs> urine. Don't drink Adagio Tees. Oh, they're stuff. coming to Basically, the live show. The next show we do will be live. That, and that's there. the bloody poison. Yeah. If I see you drink any of that stuff. <laughs> what is the name of your festival? Beyond. Beyond. Beyond the joke. Where you pay through the nose. <laughs> Karen Delay. Hello. The name Beyond the for a festival isn't very festivalish. How dare you? Yep. Why not be democratic about it and make the name of your festival a contest where all your listeners can vote in? The top three choices are putting a hat, whose hat, and chosen with a draw. Sticking with my original suggestion, Blessedival. You could bless some books and even bless some babies. My God, I was doing some blessings this week up in Ipswich. I've been so blessing all I away. See, your Next Instagram week, blessing just, in Newcastle. You don't run your Instagram, right? But mm, it's just pictures of you, very yep. beautifully done pictures. Jim Go doesn't. If you lot on a stage laying there in leather trousers, blessing people. People like love a blessing. Jim Morrison, Jesus person. I know. I've really worked hard on this persona, and it's finally coming together in regional theatres up and down Britain. Has anyone become ill after one of these blessings? I tell you what, the casualties make for pretty bleak reading, Matt. <laughs> They're dropping like flies. <laughs> See, that's the thing. This your your festival. You can't let it turn into a big ego fest where you. I bless know. People. I'm just a side figure. I'm just a side oh, figure in the shadows. I'm for just. This. I'm merely a huge marble statue in the centre <laughs> of the site. <laughs> I'm merely a totemic obelisk hovering above, held suspended in the air by the sheer force of charisma. No, look, I'm actually taking this quite seriously. I want to involve proper, innovative thinkers. I want it to be diverse enough that it includes people that wouldn't normally. It's not just hippy dippy yoga and meditation. Although there will be a bit of hippy dippy yoga and meditation. I want it to be. A, I want it to appeal to people that would normally feel excluded from that kind of thing. And I know that will mean a financial component. I'm working very hard. Because like all this time we're going. Are on you about allowed utopias. to go serious on your one? And like, as soon you can as go I try, serious. I'm uh, never allowed to even speak go about on, go it. Go a bit serious then. Tree set, right? It's a thing. If you feel a bit depressed <laughs> or stressed, if you're just a man who just thinks, do you know what? Stuff all this. Look, I want to go and be in the woods. I think it's great, and I uh, encourage you. It, do you know how great I it is? It's so you. great. It already exists in a number of places. <laughs> <laughs> right, all of those men camps and sort of uh, not mine camp, <laughs> men camps. Mine camp was a book by a little guy called. Adolf Hitler, who it turns out was a racist. When it, when it, when you get to the bare nub of it, some of his schemes. There be insights like this at Blessedful speeches from you. Yep. Anyway, right. Don't don't upset anyone here. Upset but the apple cart. I've just read a book about Adolf Hitler. All right, I remember that guy that we were all thinking was this lovable scamp. Well, he wasn't. He was an absolute ass. <laughs> oh, you silly ass. Chapter four of Moby Dick. Everyone get out of your tents. <laughs> Come and listen to this. I mean, was bashing the old... So- I hope you get everyone banging on my dinner gong. I can imagine that. I can just imagine this. Matt. It'll look, be like Heidi High, but... I want you to be involved. I want you integrally involved to make sure it doesn't become too egotistical I'd for like me. to circle the site in a helicopter. Tatting. No way. <laughs> We're not paying for Tutting that. Tutting through a microphone. Tutting above the propeller sounds. A megaphone, in fact. Just going, <laughs> silly, like that. But it's so loud and booming. 
He actually upsets people. Well, there won't be, you won't be able to hear that above the sounds of my blessings, mate. But look, what I will say is that you can be involved and I'm going to support you in anything you do that is charitable. I even support support you Tree Set. You, I support Tree Set. Even when you were nicking like bloody tents off of poor people and that, going around. What? Oh, you didn't you nick a tent off a poor person? Didn't you nick someone's Oculus eyeglasses 3D world vision thing? Didn't you? Oh, no, I didn't nick them. People sent them to me. Oh, yeah, that's what the crazy used to say. We didn't <laughs> nick them, people sent them to us, they used to say, in court. Anyway, so there you go, so that's uh, that's the festival, bless it all. Why don't you flog a mattress? Huh? Why don't you flog a mattress now? <laughs> you know, when you're laying down in bed at night, how about a nice mattress, a three-inch thick... I've been sleeping on one for three weeks, and I, get, <laughs> I spring out of bed every morning onto another mattress, a different <laughs> brand that I've also been sleeping on, because I say, fill your boots. <laughs> <laughs> Look, they're only mattresses. Every time a mattress is sold, a fairy gets its wings and a homeless fella gets a lovely new thing to drag about. Look, you know me, mate. I care about almost everything. Now, let's get a nice email down there next, shall we? Yes. Who's going to summarise this show in a poem? Me? You? Gareth. Gal? <laughs> Absolute poppycock. I can't get enough of your Radio X show, says Adam J. Wiener. I really need it right now. I'm going through a divorce, married 20 years, and living at my folks' house at the ripe old age of 53 while finances are settled. I hear you, mate. I hear you. What you probably need to do is go into the woods with a bloody idiot and get drunk. Yes, you do. You'd love it. Trying to take the high road and feel blessed about my folks being so supportive and alive. They're both 77 years old, high school sweethearts. Well, they shouldn't be at high school. They went to the prom of each other and are still hanging in there. So the show's been a marvellous distraction. I've been traversing through all the previous episodes I've missed. Thank you, sir, and to Matt and G for helping keep me positive and spread love and light. Adam, we do love you. We do support you. We know how hard life can be. And we know that this is intersecting like a triangle of joy into lives that are sometimes glum. So it's the glory of silliness that we present to you. But if you listen very carefully you'll hear that at least one of us is a prophet <laughs> I'm spelling that with PH now let's uh, have a little quick advert now to really get us in the mood for the latter part of the show where our special guest will be uh, well it's Wim Hof we're getting anyone else in there hopefully some Chinese people will just come bowling by and sing us some folk songs that'd be nice wouldn't it? wouldn't it so poignant I'm still moved by that Neil said he got emotional when he heard it later didn't you Neil Really? See? Beautiful, isn't it? It's touching people. Culture, that's what we bring to people. If you want culture, if you want your mental illness to seem less bad, listen to this, and it will. Here's an advert. This This is is Radio X. Russell Brand. Welcome back, you absolute beauties. It's almost Christmas, and that is the sound of Matt Morgan jingling. Uh, Before that, there was a gentleman from the north... Clinging on with both hands to a career. I believe it was Noel Gallagher. Are you joking? We love that bloke, do we, Matt? Yes. We love him very, very dearly. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. So I went to Odds Farm. Odds Farm. Odds Farm. Near where I live, sort of near Beaconsfield. I went there. You know, it's like a farm where you take kids. I prefer it to something like Disney World. What's it got? Goats. Goats. Sheep. Goats. Goats. Coats. Uh, grotto. Uh, a bull pit. Well, I brought that with me. No, but I don't like a softball pit. Uh, slides, I weren't allowed to go on those. Uh, a cafe area. Uh, tractors, outside tractors. This isn't donkeys. up to the standard of your usual adverts, I have to say. I'm <laughs> <laughs> listing things. They, they could use this on their website. Donkeys, ballpark, uh, coats. Elfs. Uh, elfs. When you come in, elf comes right up to you. Quite deep in character, mate. 
Really? He goes, yeah, Santa. Right, I'm not even joking. I think he was a Geordie. Geordie. Yeah, tell you what, mate, you want to go through there. I'll hold his chocolates for you. So you'll probably get most from back, mind. Me and my wife hurried by. Anyway, she said not to ridicule that elf. Well, you just done that. All right, I didn't mean it. Uh, he was a good elf. Yeah, true elf. Like four elves there, and one of them's a Geordie. Well, look, I think he did a good job, but I think it's a challenging thing to be an elf because you've I got to pitch it, look, it right. Anything like that. Like, say you work at the London Dungeons or something. Right. right? You're probably an out London of work Dungeons. actor. Or not out of work, but you're, you're doing in work. That. You're, you're wanting to, to do you got a chance work. of a lifetime in the yeah. Dungeons. It probably came up to you thinking, oh, there's someone who's been in movies, you know. Mm. You know. Top actor. He'd Top probably, actor. He's, he's seen me. Think, he's looked he? over and he's gone, he's gone hello. hello, I've seen this guy's movies. I could impress this guy and he'll think, well, I won't be able to impress him because I've seen his movies and his range is remarkable. But nonetheless, I'll give him a shot. He's probably thought, go on. Yeah. And then he'd, he'd walk over there and go, oh, what did he say? Well, the content was to do with... All right, right man. Uh, right, uh, no, well, let's drop the accent, because the... the th- oh, I'll look after your chocolates, or oh, Santa's through there, I'll look after your oh, chocolates. Yeah, that sounds like more like a goblin. Well, that's right. There was some. I think that you should make a performance about information. Oh, in my a- God, here we go. We're back at drama school. <laughs> okay. Okay, guys, let's workshop this. What do I want from the scene? Uh-huh. And what are my means of going about that? Now, you're an elf, so, you know, you're probably challenged, aren't you, by the figure of Santa? He's a patriarch, after all. Now, when you're dealing with me, what is your objective? It's to get you to go and see Santa's grotto. So what are your means for doing that? Oh, probably be all terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) No, he was a good elf. He was a good elf. But, like, it is very challenging because you've got to know what level of reality to commit to, haven't you, when you're being a character in a thing? And when I'm doing a film, I say... Barely at all. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> Just like um, it's that, that's quite embarrassing. That job. Imagine you were yeah. doing that. They had rosy cheeks, rosy cheeks. And then it's elf outfit. Yeah. Would you do that? Have you must have done stuff like that back in the day? I'd have to find a way, wouldn't I? Have, like, have I done things like that? Have I been an elf at things? Romo, you never given things out dressed up. When I was, what about Jackass? When I had to eat those boiled eggs for MTV. Yeah. But I was myself, and I was able to take that's drugs not in advance. What we're about. You went in a costume. No. I'm Elvis the Egg Eater. <laughs> like a character, weren't you? No, I was being my actual, as close to myself as it's possible to be when there's no such thing as self. And it's oh, just I think those people need, you know, encouragement. Commending and hey, we encourage you. And I will say this Odd Time's bloody brilliant. It's bloody brilliant. Bloody good grotto. Yeah. Damn good grotto. If you want, next time me and your family are hanging out, I don't want you to come. I'll take them to, to <laughs> Odd's Farm. No, next time we do something familial. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah, go yeah. Odds Farm. It's There's nice. something like that. I can't remember what it's called. I should promote it. There's one near us. I bet it's better than Odds Farm. Doubt it, mate. Doubt it, because Odds Farm's got it all. A huge sandpit. Great gift shop. Animals. <laughs> can ride on a tractor. You can ride on a tractor at this one. It's very good. It's very good. So I'm saying I've been good dadding all this week. I good dadded on my own with her. Like, like um, how, went how out. long do you do now? What's the sort of maximum? <sighs> mate, it was hours. It was hours. All the stuff come out of the kitchen cupboards. She shredded the advent calendar. She tipped up the dog bowl all over the ground. I just, in the end, I recategorised her. As long as this isn't going to actually kill her, let her do it. That was what I recategorised to. Because it's too hard, isn't it? Is she walking? She staggers around. She staggers around. You could call it walking if you like. It's not what I call walking. <laughs> like, she staggers from place to place. She grabs stuff. She tips it up. She pulls the cat's tail. She upsets the dog. She won't let me play Assassin's Creed. That's out of the picture. Yeah, yeah. Sing, what I thought was a good film about animals and that, singing. She started to cry. And she doesn't like this animatronic 
Christmas bear that someone's got me. It was the night before Christmas when I threw the house. It is a bit macabre. And like, and like she puts it, her hand in its mouth and then she freaks out. You've got a playpen you could imprison her in. She's got a bit too robust for, for confinement, sadly. You know? What do you do when you're Ellen Brockovich in it or Erin Brockovich in it? No, you just got to... Well, they're a bit easier now because they're, they're older. Walking, they, can, they can sit them down to watch something and they'll sit down. You could ask them to cancel each other out. You look yeah. after that one. Yeah, sort of. But, like, you can't do anything else. you just got to look after them. But, <laughs> I mean, I'd do the dishwasher and the laundry and stuff, I imagine. Working now to fire. <laughs> I bet you just... Everything just goes to... If it, you could tell when my wife come back, her face, she looked disappointed in what had gone on. Like a man in an advert. Yeah, a bit like that. Like, like, that well, like an upside down bowl of pasta on my head and that. And the baby was under my arm like a rolled up carpet. And I just yeah. thrust it. I goes, yeah, you can have that back and all. Thought, that one <laughs> that one explained to me when we was doing that monkey business. I didn't know this little character was going to turn up, start making demands. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, I do love it. Took it for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> it gets it gets better when she's like talking and interacting. Cheese? That's really hard work. Cheese? She says, "Cheese." She wants cheese. Cheese? You can't oh. just have cheese, mate. You got to eat some other stuff. They and love all. cheese, kids. They love cheese, don't they? And like once they've like experienced sugar and all that, oh yeah, it's, it's pointless, isn't it? That's why I keep. You know, I make a green juice: spinach, kale. Oh, I don't give her that. I do. She still doesn't realise that it's awful. <laughs> <But> <laughs> she, still she still drinks, she drinks it. it. That's quite good. Still drinks it. Yeah, it's good. Or at least there's some vitamins going in. That's what I think, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, we're doing all right. All yeah, right. ain't you done no bad dadding? <laughs> trying to think what I've done recently. Come um, on. Uh, Come on! What do you think you? about when you're on the train on the way here? Just sit staring out the window. Oh, I have to do off. emails and work and what stuff. What do you mean emails? Who are you emailing? No one's going to answer your I'll emails. I'll come back. There's a funny it. story with Cohen. Or do you, all right, I'll we'll actually, do it now. You know what? I've got week. six minutes. Um, I had to get my um, car sorted out, right? And you know, like normally, I can cope. I've, I used to do like building work or stuff like that. I've don't done try some. And sell yourself? No, I am quite masculine, right? But car stuff, I just don't know anything about it. Mm. And I phoned up and said, like, um, I phoned up and <laughs> said, no, uh, I needed to get, one of the tyre pressures was really low, right? And so I went to the garage. Have you ever done that? Put 20p in and got and filled up the tyres. I don't like that. Why? It's I don't, nice. like I don't like, remember how you get the, the, that little cap back on. And then I'm, I maybe just give a little up dust cap. But anyway, and, it, and, and it's still, the cap. warning light was still on. So I phoned the uh, garage mm. and then, he said, yeah, all right, mate, what's your um, registration number? And I didn't know it. So I, went, I don't know. Can you do it for my address? So I was already on the back foot. Mm. And he went, yeah, what is it? Peugeot 3. And then I never know because Peugeot 208 or 308, right? But it's 3008. So I never know if it's a Peugeot 3008 or Peugeot 3008. So that put me on even more of a back foot. And he goes, and what's the issue? And I thought he meant the issue number of the car. So I was like, I don't know. No one's ever told me that. <laughs> And he went, no, no, what's your issue? I said, uh, well, it's a, it was brand new. <laughs> he goes, what's the issue with the car? I said, I don't know, mate. Uh, will it be in the book? And then he just pulls for ages and goes, what's the problem with your car? And I went, oh, the, the tyre pressure's wrong on one side. Oh. And then he even said, he goes, 
just take it to a tired place. You don't need like during that silence where he was thinking, this man don't know what the word issue means. Yeah. And he had to ransack his annals. If he could have said on problem. the first misunderstanding, what's the problem? Do you know what, mate? He stuck with issue. One of the too things long. he did stick with issue too long because me, if I, like say I'm talking to someone whose English ain't their first language or anyone at all, like I don't say the same thing twice. I won't do it except for certain things that I deliberately say twice, like throw me at the cams or our oh, Majesty. Yeah. But like if some if I say something a person understand, I immediately rephrase. rephrase. Immediately rephrase. rephrase. Can you rephrase that, please? Of course you do. Yeah. It was 3,008. You, so 3,008. I don't even know how to say that to this day. He didn't. And also, he could have gone, because I said, I I don't know, like, is it 3,008? Is it 3,008? And he just went, yeah. He didn't like, give me that. You turned him into car mentor, didn't you? Like, you invested him with too much power. He's not Obi-Wan Kenobi. Well, that's what I thought. I thought, like, deal with it by going a bit cap-doffing and sort of go, you know, you know about cars, mate. And he yeah. didn't give me anything. Do you sometimes get sucked into cliched sort of social roles? All like, say you're talking to, a, like, a man, another man. You've got, like, I sort of start saying things I don't even mean about, like, oh, I'm really exhausted with these children. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't really even mean it. That's yeah. not my worldview at all. Yeah. My worldview is, as you know, absolutely mental. Yeah, <laughs> no, but you have to. You, you have can't to go tell like, everyone. You can't just go, oh. They're excited for Christmas. Oh, I'm not. Here we go. Yeah, I had a missus. She's got a credit card. Like, things like that. Something I know. Like, because you can't go, people, oh, oh, limitless consciousness. We're temporarily expressing through this physical form. Oh. Enough times on the radio. <laughs> I like saying it on the radio. Now, of course, everyone does that. It's just. It's... These are like dances. They're social yes, forms. Yes. They're folk dances. Yeah. If we was in the old times, we'd do a little dance around a the fire. These times, we'll do the little dance of here's our attitude towards Christmas. Here's our attitude towards the institution of marriage in the Conventional, somewhat uh, retro, uh, I don't know, nostalgic, old fashioned mm. sort of view. Yeah? yeah? Yeah. Why not, darling? Why not? Right, here's an email from a, a person claiming to be called Rishi. I want to say a big thank you to you all, but especially you, Russell, as you're the best. The show has helped me, <laughs> and he's continuing to help me through some tough times. Not only does it make me laugh out loud and make inappropriate noises in public, but it's so full of kindness, love, creativity, and authenticity. And Matt's bits are good too. You have all opened my mind and possibly soul and allowed me access to the craziness of my subconscious as well as exploring more meaningful ways of living harmoniously and peacefully. You've been a source of inspiration and I'm now writing a play and poetry as a way to deal with these struggles and hopefully help others. Never underestimate the difference you are making to our lives. Darling, I never will. I literally think I'm more important than anything else that's <laughs> ever happened ever. Now, thanks for that, Rishi. Mate, we're only around about about keep being uh, some, creative. Do and some keep, nan knowledge? Cool. I've got some of that coming yep. up. Go on. No, oh, it's called forgotten knowledge. Stop, get the branding straight. Oh, no, in fact, someone sent me a thing and said it should be called nonsense. What's nonsense? A mean? play on nonsense. Ooh, I don't like that, mate. Nansen. I like it. No, nonsense. It smells like an like that. Sounds like it says Nan's gusset. It's come free from the Nan. Oh, not a scent with a C in it. Nonsense, nonsense. Little cuddle coming your way. <laughs> anyway, I thought nonsense was pretty. All right, good. we'll stick with it. Nonsense. Nonsense. Now for Matt. Nonsense. Right. This is from a person with a female face. Hello, Matt. I thought That's of some not good enough intro. Got a knowledge from my mum. Mom, she's American. She was a child in the 1920s and her mum was from Ireland. In the winter when my mum and her siblings would come home with chapped hands from the cold, my gran used to make them soak their hands in urine to heal them. <laughs> That's what she I was said. always revolted by the story, <laughs> but I 
know now that one of the key components of urine is urea. That's actually used a lot in moisturisers and hand creams. So my grandma's on something there. Cheers, Matt. <laughs> good item, mate. Very good item indeed. Impressive. Very impressive. Here's a bit more Nan knowledge. Uh, I'll do it this time because I'm probably more better. Hi, Russ. Matt and G, though he's helping people that have been unimaginable suffering. I have a bit of forgotten Nan knowledge that was brought to mind by last week's Shivery Bites tale. When we used to go swimming at the beach and come out of the water all come out of the water all wet we'd be caked insane my nan would always have a tub of talcum powder which she sprinkled over our arms and legs mm. and this would dry out the sand you could then brush off the annoying sand with ease i mean talcum powder needs banning don't it, it what is. is it actually it's doing it's actually bad for you you shouldn't breathe it in it gets stuck in your lungs someone sued them i never trusted it i never, I never trusted, trusted it the but there stuff. is nothing nicer than going to work or school with fully touted <laughs> genitals yes <laughs> there is there isn't. There's many things nicer. About, I don't know, childbirth or a sunset. Or like seeing birds in flight. No, there's nothing like that silky jiggle. <laughs> Powdered. Glory of loved. the gods. Poetry. No, 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 no. Look, eat oh. poor Neil, the producer. That's I like it. I used to love it. Shot. I used to sit down in a little cloud around me. Poof, it used to go. <laughs> I know. The how perfect nice sound it felt. to describe what was going on. <laughs> if you ask Morning, me. Matt. <clears throat> Morning. <laughs> You are, Matt. Now, get a grip. God. What are you doing now? a bit of forgotten You're talking knowledge. talking to yourself. Nonsense for your item. My nan empties out the water in the kettle if it's been in overnight. I think it's from when kettles were made of sterner stuff when they were on the stove and left it for a while would taint the taste of the water and ruin your tea. She's 95 and she still does it with her tea fowl one. God, good on you, nan. I've got a real problem with... Because I've always said every time a nan goes down the ground, that is when a museum slams its door shut. <laughs> think about that, Matt. Think I do about think it. about it a lot. I I don't like reboiling water in the kettle. I always have to put fresh water in. Do you? That is a waste. It's not. It tastes weird. Matt, I want to do something now that I think is going to impress you. It's a song I've written to uh, help people, little children people, to clean their teeth properly, okay? And it's designed to last as long as they should be cleaning their teeth. This version won't because I know you wouldn't tolerate it. For five minutes. Then Three, it? isn't it? Three. Three, all right, go on. Now, so here's the song. Clean your teeth, clean your teeth, clean your teeth, yeah, yeah. Clean your teeth, clean your teeth, How yeah, is yeah. There's no measure of time in that. The first thing you do when you clean your teeth, like of something, da, da, da. It's a whole song anyway. No, it it needs, it needs numbers in it, otherwise there's no measure of time. It lasts that long. Then you finished singing it, you've no, done you've your teeth. Got, no, it's got Clean be, your teeth, clean your teeth, you've clean your teeth. You've got to go 50... Yeah. 49 or whatever. Oh, and anyway, you're going to sing with a toothbrush in your mouth. You <laughs> Someone like stands When he asks you a question you. with his finger in your mouth. <laughs> you weren't even at the dentist when that happened, was you, mate? You was back home afterwards. He was a dentist. Now, listen, are you enjoying this? How are your gums now? Can I just uh, put my last bit of nonsense? Yes, because right? we've got Wim Hof coming up and he's going to do The dying art of sponging things down. What about the dying art of sponging off your listeners? Well, yeah. So you're dying art of keeping that alive. Bringing it to new Look, levels. Shush. I mm. bet when you get a slightest little stain on something, you put it in the laundry, don't you? Well, in the 80s, <laughs> there was something called a sponge. And you'd use it. You'd dampen the sponge and clean that little thing off, and you were good to go. Mate, that you is a lost bit of knowledge. You don't need to explain the principle of a gentleman's wash to me. I invented it. Oh, I don't it. mean that. You washing your... How dare you? <laughs> on Christmas time... When Jesus done everything he could I'm to try and make about things right. I'm sponging down something simple like a jumper. Ugh. Look, I don't want to talk about this no more. Let's do an advert, and then when we come back, we'll talk to oh, him more. Back to the real sponges. stuff. Back to his beloved adverts. <laughs> <laughs>
you after what you how you've used this show like Genghis Khan ransacking the vulnerable you know there's not a single person listening to this right now who's not absolutely bloody beleaguered with mental illness and all you do is pilfer through their belongings the poor sods they probably you probably explain I haven't had anything free for ages magical Christmas characters put this that thing. down you are not to touch that that's probably Chris Moyles's leave it there leave it where it is now we're going to have an advert it won't be very good because I'm not reading it Russell Brand Radio X. That was a series of sounds put together in order to create a pleasing melody. Now on the show, it's Wim Hof, who's become a bit of a mentor to many of us because he's a man who's deviated from the path of convention and found new realms, new means, new methods for sustaining health. You may know that he cured himself of a bacterial uh, infection, defying science, or not defying science, just operating within a realm of science that had previously been uh, undiscovered, pioneering. And uh, the thing he's most famous for, though, is his astonishing ability to plunge himself into extreme cold. Mind over matter, writ large. The matter is humanity and the man is Wim Hof and he is here to guide us to new realms. Are you there, Wim? Yes. Hi, Russell. Did you like the intro? Because I worked quite hard on it. Yeah, no, no, it, it was good. It's good. Thanks. I'm, I'm really into, you know, getting into regular healthcare and the and doing all the studies... Wim, I can hear your other phone. Was that world. Matt's phone? Wim, you're in, you're in Poland, are you? Yes, I am. And there's a slight delay. Guy, people, uh, yes. Sorry, darling. Yeah, I can hear you, but there's one of those delays on the line. So I'm, I'm going to have to speak in clear, succinct sentences and ask real clear questions. Wim, in this time of great change, how can the techniques that you are using to cope with extreme experiences help people that are living more ordinary, less extreme lives? Yes. Uh, you know, these techniques I've developed by going into nature, into cold nature, and do all kinds of uh, uh, seemingly, un, uh, 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 yeah, um, seemingly not to be able done challenges in nature, like superhuman, supernatural, extraordinary feats, uh, all that I did, uh, uh, people thought this is because I'm an uh, anomaly, uh, a, a different person. And I told them, no, I am not. I'm like everybody, and everybody is able to do superhuman feats. We are built to be able to do that. We are built to be able to fend off disease, to fight off uh, depression, to be a lot stronger than we thought. And uh, nobody believed me, of course. So I went <laughs> through science, the universities. So if you go through the universities, then there is no speculation left. I just show it in the blood results and train people within a couple of days being able to fend off a bacteria within a quarter of an hour, all of them, like 100%, everybody who was participating in the training after a couple of days were able to fend off the bacteria within a quarter of an hour where normally they are sick for six to eight hours, having headaches, fever, uncontrolled shivering, all over agony. That's a controlled experiment with a bacteria. And thousands have become sick. But, uh, and then I came with my group after just a couple of days of training in nature. 
and they were all 100% able to fend off the bacteria within 15 minutes. And that's done by breathing exercises and focus. It sounds like you're on the frontier of some fascinating discoveries. It were ever thus that the great leaders or the great shaman, those that can move between levels, live on the edge lands of society. And I think this accounts for your eccentricity. You are an unusual sounding man because I suppose you have to a degree escaped the process of inculcation and remained open to ideas that would otherwise have been uh, schooled out of people. This radio show, we talk an awful lot about mental health, the nature of madness, and it seems to me that the increase of awareness of mental health and the increase of discussion of mental health and then perhaps the increase of mental health problems is because people are beginning to reject failing social and cultural systems. Uh, the people, If you're list, uh, looking for volunteers to participate in these uh, bipolar experiments, you need look no further than this show, its hosts and its listeners. Both Matt and I are uh, sort of proud members of their mentally ill community and like um, so much of our correspondence and discussion on this show is about mental health. So it's something we I, I'd like to be involved in this because I really think that you, you're teaching people to access different parts of their, you know, if you're t- talking about it from a neurological perspective, their brain, but beyond that, a part of consciousness, if there is a distinction between the brain and consciousness, and as far as we know, there, there could be. Exactly. Uh, consciousness is perception and perception is neurological enhancement in the brain and uh, we now know how to enhance the chemistry uh, uh, in a uh, in a conscious way of the brain thus we bring back a very co- in a controlled way the right chemistry in all the parts of the brain because of our society and uh, the way we control nature and a comfort zone behavior, only a part of our brain gets the right chemistry, the right blood flow. Now, because of these uh, breathing techniques, we bring the right blood flow to all the areas of the brain, thus they become accessible. Because we are built to be able to uh, outbalance what is out of balance inside of ours. Uh, uh, us. That's the way nature built us to be, to prevent from disease, to heal better from disease, not to be depressed, to be functional in nature. You can't be depressed because a tiger crawls upon you and you, you're gone. Oh that, no, uh, there's a tiger provided. probably going to eat me. Uh, this is always happening to me, stuff yes. like this bloody predators. <laughs> Look at it. Look at that murderous glint in its eye. Oh well, down I go. You're right, we've become detached from nature, both inner and outer, and we're paying a high price indeed. What is civilization rather than, other than the augmentation of our separation? And some lovely comfy sofas and computer games. Now, Matt uh, has got a question for you, haven't you, Matthew? Yes. Cool, mate. Oh, sorry, I turned your mic down because you were eating. You were eating a bloody chicken salad. Sorry, (laughs) that's all finished now. Wim, is this stuff that we've forgotten, that we used to know, that was innate and sort of primal, or is this stuff that you've discovered? That's what I want to know. Actually, both. Both. Apparently, uh, 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 like four years ago, we were the first ones in a comparative study to show that the autonomic nervous system can be influenced. 
And mm. uh, up till then, in medical history, in, the, in all the books, it was told a human is not able consciously to, uh, uh, to tap into its uh, autonomic nervous system as well the innate immune system. And we have found now evidence-based all the proof that we can. Hmm. And suddenly, uh, with that, they looked inside the brain and, uh, hey, suddenly we are able to get in those parts of the brain we thought of we cannot get into. And I like this. different. Yeah. Hmm. That means there are subtler That's realms it. that can be accessed, which are coordinating and managing the apparent detached activity on the mechanical and material level. And if you can access your consciousness, you can alter the material and mechanical world. And what Wim's doing, I think, is intersecting with this world. Now, Wim, I'm doing a very important festival in September. It could be called Beyonder, where ideas that are beyond the periphery are brought together, curated, where people come together for a festival over a weekend, innovative thinkers, forerunners, outliers like yourself will be invited to participate and educate people. People that are bored and disenfranchised and disillusioned with the old systems are shown new ways, new techniques. Wim, I would love you to participate in this festival. It would be an honour if you would share your knowledge as a teacher with the people participating in this festival. Is that something you will contractually commit to on air? Uh, I, uh, of course I do. Uh, I love I like you, I love you, I love people who are into the new revolution because this planet's got to change and we got to bring some prosperity for our children and the nature and uh, be, you know, return to uh, sanity and innocence. Uh, that's, yes. Thank you, Wim. Thank you very much. That's another participant. We're very interested in the things that you are talking about, ways that we can change our consciousness outside of the conventional systems. I think it's very impressive the way that you're using existing infrastructure because I think it is necessary to go through universities, to go through laboratories. It's quite necessary that science is used as a tool to produce empirical evidence while accepting, too, that science cannot become an orthodoxy, an entrenched orthodoxy that doesn't allow for ongoing exploration and open-mindedness to phenomena that is beyond even the realm of evidence, I suppose. Yes, and I think uh, uh, even existing science is a little bit corrupted to the system of making money, 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 money. You know, uh, uh, people who are sick are, are like clients, and uh, we have to change this. We have to change the paradigm we are built to be uh, happy, strong, and healthy, and that it, uh, that's it. Mm -hmm. And for the rest, you know, consciousness and the soul, uh, the signs of the soul, it is that we, we are, uh, if we stay lined up with, uh, with our soul, we, we will become happy, strong, and healthy, everybody. Wim, Wim, you are a mentor on the edge of the known. Now, Wim, uh, on a more prosaic and ordinary level, it's gone bloody cold in this country, Britain, at the moment. Have you got any simple basic techniques that people can use to fend off this sense of coldness? And it's often accompanying depression, you know, seasonal adjustment disorder, all that stuff. Have you got any simple techniques that we can share with our listeners or is it too complex? No, Jeff. Uh, see, the cold is your warm friend. The, the biggest killer in uh, all the West is cardiovascular related, and it's also related to depression and all. If you take 
cold showers before the cold comes, you are so well equipped to go into the cold and enjoy it because your vascular system works great and you feel invigorated because of the cold. Now, because it is not, I tell you, uh, uh, breathe deep. Breathe Mm. deeply. Enjoy the cold. Yes, uh, enjoy the cold because we are built to be able to uh, function in the cold really well. Uh, in, in just four days, I bring 60 people without former experience in the cold, like five hours in their uh, shorts up a mountain where it is minus 20, and what? they are in their shorts, and, uh, and they enjoy it. They love it. Wim that's it. That, that's who we are. <laughs> That's who we are. We've forgotten who we are, and we, we've lost touch with what we can be. It's all what tree set's all about. <laughs> Dear old tree set. Dear, that tree, Matthew, and we will incorporate your schemes. Wim Hof, thank you very much for your time, for sharing your uh, education and illuminating mind with our listeners. We are going to make cold our friend. We're going to breathe deeply. We're going to take cold showers, and we are going to glory and grow in this season of challenges. Wim Hof, thank you so much, mate. Right on, right on. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Take care, mate. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Wim Hof is pretty amazing, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, I also like the name Wim because uh, he's just agreed to participate (laughs) in a festival (laughs) on one. (laughs) So, all right, let's have a brief advert now to uh, be for several things, and then we'll come back and chastise Matt for showing me up during that interview. You showed me up. What are you eating? What's that? Ah, you pig! Russell Brand. This is Radio X. We're back to do the last link. This is it. This is where things get quite serious. Why are you standing up? Because I enjoy it. You do not. I've been sitting on a saddle you stood stall up last week. As I sit on at home, which is very comfortable, but after a while, you get a bit saddle sore. What do you did you learn from Wim Off? Um. That the delay on a phone call can sometimes slows cause it down, an awful slows it down, doesn't it? It's a misunderstanding. Been a it's been always been a problem. It's always been a big problem. Now, listen, Matthew. I've been learning a lot of stuff about young, young man. Da, 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 da. I say, young man, yeah. Carl Jung, Carl Gustav Jung. Notes in a seminar. Of, student of Freud, or was it the other way around? He was a sort of initially a student of Freud, but the two depart parted ways because mm. of Freud thought that everything could be held within re- that consciousness was about repression, that neurosis was about re- repression, primarily sexual repression, and Jung wanted to explore the idea of a universal unconscious mind, of archetypes, of access to the mystique, to the mystery. Well, so he stormed out. He's gone. I'm not staying here to listen to this clip trip. <laughs> There's another world outside of your surgery, Sigmund, and I. I'm going there. Anyway, when he got out of that room, he wrote this book. A load of books, as a matter of fact. But I was reading this, Matt, and talking about the Kundalini energy. Kundalini, like sort of uh, the, I suppose, a pure form of life force that is somehow feminine and abstract from your personal energy, but can be accessed through your personal energy. Like it's. So the thing that I read the other day reminded me of you. It was a little challenge, a little chapter 
called Nitwits I've Met. No, it wasn't. It was a bit where he's talking about... Does it really remind me of you of me? It did, actually, because he talks here about the awakening of the Kundalini energy and how it will lead people to want to enter into nature. That yep. says that a lot of the time, like the majority of the time, he said, when we think of the unconscious mind, we all imagine like it's sort of like the sort of dream states. But Jung recategorizes the unconscious mind. He goes, no, when you're paying a bill in a restaurant, that's your unconscious mind. The activities that you unthinkingly undertake, you are not conscious, you're not present, you're not offering your experience of being a living human being. And he goes like, when you are awakened, when you are interacting with reality in a sort of a present way, you become conscious. So I thought that was a sort of a fascinating description. And he said this kind of yearning to access nature means that that thing is longing to be heard. And like, you know, remember when we were out at Camp Gatto, we're sort of like, we we're thinking, well, what is this that's going on here? What is being well, I was expressed? certainly thinking that when you arrived. <laughs> well, because of the costume, the ambulance hat. Thank you, Ben, for the ambulance the hat. The The gatto, the chauffeur. I mean, there were many appurtenances. Yeah, Let's go on. Get it. on with your theory. It's quite interesting so far. Well, my theory is, is that we define ourselves by who we think we are, our memories and stuff. But there's something latent that if we're not given time to explore it, it's a bit like what Wim Hof is saying, that we've got these uh, previously unaccessed capabilities and regions within self. I mean, you're preaching to the converted here. Go on. Only this day. Yeah. Today. Today. Have a brief day. I went up to my bedroom, right? Now, mm. there's a Dora balloon floating around my house. Who's Dora the Explorer. I know Dora. It's you don't winters. have to explain who Dora right. is well, to me. I don't know if you know that. She's an explorer. It's a helium balloon. It's been hanging around for ages. It's gone all thin because mm. Dora's got a huge rugby ball-shaped head, a bit like Stewie from Family Guy. Right. Right? Mm. Her head's still sort of got enough in it to keep Sucked her afloat. Sucked all the gas up. But her sometimes little body. she'll go Ooh, down to the floor Ooh, and then sometimes pointing. she'll hover back up, right? I walked into my bedroom... And she sort of hovered back up and then scraped along the ceiling towards me. Going, <laughs> <laughs> terrifying moment, right? Where it took my brain a second at least. So it felt like about a month to understand what was going on. There was a creature that rose up and then went <laughs> towards me, right? Now, I've, I've lived through some stuff, guys, right? But it may, I immediately... Let's get that, Stafford on the phone. In, I see like... You know when everything <laughs> electrifies? <laughs> yeah. Like reality like, don't make no sense no more. You feel this ice cold preparedness. No, it was like, it wasn't just the freaked out. It was like, I need to fight this monster, whatever it is. Dora the Explorer. Stepped up. How were, How is Dora now? She won. <laughs> <laughs> Still hovering around. Split decision, t- yeah. TKO. <laughs> I mean, you know. And it's Dora the Explorer by unanimous decision. It's a terrifying moment where, and then what you're aware of is like, oh, I've got all this stuff in me, this ability. I'm an animal that might have, you know, that might have been a predator. So in a way, I mean, it's all it's all coming in my book. Absolutely. So check this. What's he saying in this bit, old Jung? Old Jung. Nothing as insightful as what I just said. Oh, no. Sometimes a person may see Dora the Explorer (laughs) in a balloon form. That means you've got a dangerous psychopath on your head. There must be something peculiar in you, a leading spark, some incentive that forces you on through the water and to the next centre. He's talking about the journey through the chakras. And that is the Kundalini, something absolutely unrecognisable, which can show, say, as fear. 
as a neurosis or apparently also as vivid interest, but it must be something which is so superior to your will. Otherwise, you don't go through it. You will turn back when you meet the first obstacle. As soon as you see the Leviathan, you will run away. The Leviathan is the beast that lurks under the water the whale whales were called leviathans don't know if you know i read moby dick sometimes oh. uh, so, but like uh, the idea that in the unconsciousness there is a monster we're afraid to be alone we're afraid to go deep because there is a beast in there there is some force that it, is not it feels like us. when i went camping what i was trying to go for was to let that thing out and let me talk to it and to go right hang on what's going on what do yeah, I need that's to do right. that's what it was we've got to negotiate with that guy because it like the, I think all of the, the hero's journey like the, all that Joseph Campbell derived from Joseph Campbell's work The Hero with a Thousand Faces is saying that there are archetypal myths and stories that are about the encounter that a human being has to have with this aspect of the self some people deny it Joseph Campbell says you know there are 40 year old men that are still tr- asking their mother for permission there are 80 year old men that are still worried about their golf scores these are men that have not accepted the challenge they've not gone right and when you're 40 you're meant to be at this point when you're 80 you're at this point myths give us a guide of how, like this is what it's like to pass through the human psyche there are markers on the way and we all have our different acculturated experience of it depending where we are and when we are you know if you're like you're afraid of being on your own so you always surround yourself with people you never know what's on the exactly. other side That's of why the I feel fear. Like I'm ready for a new challenge go on not, do you I'm want to become a race car driver? Because <laughs> I'll back you. No, I want to do something like Ed Stafford sort of stuff where you test yourself, not to the point where you might die. Well, this is why what interests me about Ed Stafford is, of course, I think it is fascinating the sort of martial or the physical aspect of it, of learning survival. I think that's really, really important because, you know, the practical If you know your boundaries it, are so extreme, then normal life will just be a doddle. Possibly, but like I think, if it's got a correlative in your conscious experience, then it'll be really good because that's what I've got, like. I think that's what you're interested with Ed Stafford because he's not really doing like you know on the survival level that stuff's going on. But what you seem to like about him is that he's emotionally ex- sort of explicit and sort of saying this is affecting yeah. me in that way. The yeah, person but one of the main are. things I like about him, there's a bit his eyes, in... his body, his shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> The whole package. No, like there's a bit where he's in uh, he's in the desert. I, can't, I think it's the Sahara, mm. and he's got a camel that's got filming equipment and tent and stuff on it, and another camel that's got all his water. If you walk for like a mile in this desert, you need three liters of water, two liters of water. It's so hot, right? So it's a mathematical puzzle of like, how do I get to the place I'm going with the amount of water I've got? The camel carries the water. Blah blah blah. He's walking for ages and he's seen the same horizon and looks in the in the, like far away. There's a camel and he thinks, oh look, there's other people there. He realizes it's one of the camels he's been leading that has his water on it, right? And so at that point, he's got an emergency phone, which I would have just gone right. I can't. The camel was like half a mile away, so he's going to use all his water to get to the water. And as he starts walking towards it, the camel carries on like like runs away from him. And what I was thinking is, oh, God, the things that, like, we you know when you feel overwhelmed and a bit panicky by your life, and if yeah, in that moment, he just went, right, okay, I need to get that camel. I need to, and he just sort of looked at it. And I think it might be because he's an ex-soldier, maybe, like, used to sort of breaking down problems and going and not getting freaked out. And he solves the problem. He, he thinks, right, I'll let go of this camel with the non-essential stuff on, and I'll just walk. And he stalks the, the water camel and gets it, drinks some water, and like he's all right you know and comes back to the other camel just watching him not freak out is the thing that's the more it's not so much about building shelter or fire it's just mm. saying 
How does he not go, oh my God, what am I going to do? He negotiates successfully with fear. Yeah. Sort of like he's he's able to go, okay, what do I do now? No, but that's it. You know, become who you are. Become who you are. Become who you are. And on that bombshell, no, on that note, are you going to summarise this in a poem or something then, Gal? No, I know your poem's gonna seem really stupid. I've Mr. Wild actually, I mean, you could G. read. I've written one. He's I've written a poem. Don't undermine his poem. I've got a beautiful poem it's about going back to nature. Let him do his one, then we'll read yours. Bobby should do his. No, do you... yours first. Come on, gal. Little... This is Gareth Roy, the producer of this. He's producer of many projects. You remember the truths? There'll be more truths coming soon. Gareth no, produced producer that. Producer of bad poetry. And I'm he's a now produced this. About this causing offence now. If, if Let's hear it. It's got a lot of race words in it. It's just jokes, all right. No hate crimes. Hang on. It's just well, I don't a like the sound of this. It's Do you, Matt? Well, Who's it offending? Different genders? Possibly you. You know I'm a hair-triggered maniac. This is a worry. Oh, God. Okay. Here we go. Beat <laughs> poem. There once was a planned festival called Beyonder. You're fired! <laughs> <laughs> its purpose, our lives, we should ponder. With a £10 face paint, its rival tree set, it ain't. It's vast profit the founder won't squander. Ooh! Satire. Picking my side. It's like, that was like a Swiftian satire. You backed the wrong horse there, Roy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a nice poem. Now go on, Matt, do your bloody... Well, bloody What's your one entitled? Now. Russell Brand, history's greatest genius. Let's dig him out. Hang on, I, I've just got to find it. What are you doing? I'm finding it. Don't Wait. talk to me like that, young man. Where is it? Oh, God, I'm so sorry. No, I... Take this apple out of my mouth because I thought I can have a bit of apple there. I've got a co-host, but I haven't got a co-host, oh, have I? I've is. got a co-joined twin. I've been lugging point. around with that bloke that's a drag about. Go on, do your poem. You wouldn't have heard of that bloke if that hadn't happened, right? What hadn't happened? That tumour. So maybe <laughs> I made you. Someone sent me this called Johnson. <laughs> I meant that. Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> the piece Don't of work Johnson Johnson and do your poem. Oh. <gasps> there was a word. The piece there, of kids. wild things by Wendell Berry. When despair for the world grows in me, and I wake in the night at the least sound, in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be, I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water, and the great heron feeds. I come into the piece of wild things who do not tax their lives with for with forethought hard to say in my accent, of grief. I come into the presence of still water and I feel above me the day-blind stars waiting for their light. For a time, I rest in the grace of the world and am free. Tree set. <laughs> I added the last bit. <laughs> it's a very beautiful poem. We shall stand by our tents and we shall read that every night in Tree set. Drunk Who's it with axes. <laughs> Sick in our beards. <laughs> and it'll be very I'll, beautiful. There can't be no drinking there if there's mental health issues, all right? It'll go wrong. They can have a nip or something. That's what you have a little nip if it's cold. You get out of control. You were too well, drunk. Are you going to police your festival? And yours, more importantly. You are. You're going to, let me smell your breath. You can have a little tree set section over there. In fact, look, in I'll fact, get Ed Stafford to help you to set up the mental health bit over there on the edge of the festival. It's not like, I don't want to focus on the mental health you, aspect. Well, you've got it's no about choice, have you? Because you're mentally ill. And we're not having no booze in the festival. Well, it can be some booze. I asked one of my mates who was like a recovering alcoholic. I goes, like, what do you think? Do you think there should be like booze there? He goes, oh, yeah, you should probably have booze and drugs there. And he goes, why? I goes, why, mate? And he went, 
for the atmosphere. Like <laughs> 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 <I> keep recovering. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, like keep acknowledged. You don't need it there. I mean, maybe yours thing's this more family vibe. There could be different sections. There'll be different sections. My right, thing anyway, is, there shouldn't be rules, man. Shut up. Anyway. You shut up. You, you shut told up. me to shut up you three times. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I was trying to shoot past you. I didn't think that would hit you. I'm not normally that good a shot. That was actually an accident. You're all right. No, I'm fine. Sorry about that. All right, coming up is Gordon Smart and then Steffi Graf doing a, a, an hour of music, I suppose. I don't know, a bit Radio X. Sorry for the apple. All right, thanks. Adverts, adverts. If I threw an apple at you. I oh, know, I'd be upset. <laughs> yeah, hold on. But that's, that's, my one was falling apart. It's not even on Difference. anymore. Russell Brand. This is Radio X. It was only a small amount of apple that I hit you with. You spent the no, whole show. You threw an apple at me. That was a whole core, right? Mm. When I what I threw to you is one bite's worth out of an apple, and you over there were an absolute coward. <laughs> what have we learned? Oh fuck! I've lost. Did you thought. overreact? No. I, I, I'm all I, the only way, I, how many times I've looked in that fruit bowl when you're annoying me and thought, I could throw that at him. Hold on And a I never have. You've, um, I don't like where this is going. What do you mean you're staring in a fruit bowl when I'm doing my links thinking that you're annoyed? Sometimes if you go, shut up! <laughs> like that, I look at that fruit bowl and I think, oh, I should throw a banana. Well, out. anyway, listen, let's move on, shall we? I apologise. You've I've thrown a bit on. of apple. Just going <laughs> to pat the wound. Jesus Christ. Things we've been through in life. Can't imagine what Wim Off would make of this. I think he'd be disgusted. <laughs> right, now let's read a children's Xmas letter. Okay. What are you doing? Get back on board. I'm going down the wrong I am, road. I'm on board. Child leaves bleak letter for Santa. A six-year-old US boy is shaken up social media with a letter to Santa Claus. The boy's mother, Sarah McCammon, posted the Dear Santa letter on Twitter on Sunday and it's been shared thousands of times. The letter reads... And it looks like a kid's letter. It's called like, Skulls Drawing. Do you think this is real? It's called Skulls Drawn Around It and Christmas Wreaths. And a, sort of, it looks like a picture of Hitler. It, it does look real. It. it is real. Right. I'm only doing this for the class. I know you're not in list. I know, you're, I know your naughty list is empty and your good list is empty and your life is empty. You don't know the troubles I've had in my life. Lots of love, Matt Morgan. <laughs> love, I'm not telling you my name. Mrs. McCammon subsequently assured well, he wouldn't people... Tell the name. No, I'm, he's I'm not even participating on the most basic premise of the Christmas letter. This kid's a nihilist. No, but what he's done, what he's subverted like... Subverted Yeah, he's sub- subverted it, but he's also... That's, that's like a sort of atheist going... That's an atheist letter to God. Again, you can't judge me. There's no such thing as good or evil. That's what he's saying. He's defying the convention, and I admire the kid... I very much admire this kid. Now, we've got some letters here about Father Christmas and whether or not we should tell people. Check this. Uh, hmm. Hi, Russell, Matt and G, says Remy from France. I'm with you on the Santa Claus thing. I have a little girl that'll be two in February. I don't want to sell her the Christmas thing. I think there's more than enough beauty and magic and mystery in nature and life. No need to take the easy road they want to push us on. You guys always said what we do on an individual level is but a drop in the ocean compared with big business and all, like recycling, not wasting water. But in the end, the only power we really have is how we choose to behave and hope to inspire another to do the same. It's true that you guys have a bit more power, in brackets. So these small actions count. As for my little girl, I also try and find stories to read where girls aren't just waiting for a prince to save them. Small actions, it doesn't mean we have to also aim 
don't also aim for the big changes. Oh, but we okay. can't forget <laughs> forget about every small action on the way. Anyhow, thanks for the last in poetry, Remy from France. Lovely moving letter. Very well, very well written. Ruined read. by old windbags. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, the I old, think... Oh, the bellows. Do you remember that? You used to have the bellows. Oh, with my, when I used to... Yeah. I oh, know. Well, see, we've all improved, haven't we? But then there's a counter-argument here saying that we mustn't tell people about that. Oh, no, where is that? That was really good. There was a bit from a person saying Steiner Schools. Did you remember that? Yeah, Steiner Schools says that we've got to keep doing that. Mandy Farmer goes, listening to this part, uh, if you research Rudolf Steiner and his philosophy and child brain development, children believe in magic until they're... So listen to this, Remy, there's a counter-argument. Until the age of seven, believing in Father Christmas is natural to them. The same way they believe animals talk and fairies exist. They grow out of it around seven years, though may choose to continue pretending for reward's sake. Oh, yeah, I remember doing that. And there is a way to approach it with them that doesn't involve directly lying. Steiner's theories consider that supporting children in their stages of development enable them to be more grounded and creative with unlimited potential and imagination. They do not understand adult concepts, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, there you go. So Owen said to me, because he goes to a um, C of E school, so I'm Catholic, I was brought up Catholic, whatever. He goes to me, um, we're talking about when you get old... Because his thing is, your hair goes white and you die. That's what happens, right? And then he said, um, but he goes, it doesn't matter because then you go to heaven. I said, oh, yeah, no, that's, yeah, some people believe that you go, no, no, you do, you go to heaven. I said, and he goes, and Jesus and God are there. And the reason I believe that is because I'm a Christian, like that. And I went, oh, right, okay. And then I said, yeah, because not everyone believes in heaven, but it would be nice, wouldn't it? He goes, I'm going there. Right? <laughs> and said, yeah, and I was, it made me so sad like in that moment of just the thought of his complete belief that heaven's real because he's been told it at school and he is going there. And I said, yeah, but like not everyone believes, but I, I, it'd, be ni- you know, it'd be nice if it is. And he was just like, looked at me and he goes, you won't go there if you say that. So like, he, he's even been primed with that bit of knowledge. But the Tinkerbell effect. I felt a bit bad. Well, look. You, I was trying to give him a bit of balance because... But then I was thinking, what is the point at his age now to go, well, come on, you can't, you know, not definite that it exists. You might as well just go, it does exist and you're going there, so don't worry about anything. It's difficult. What I would say is that in mythic symbols such as heaven and an afterlife, in order to make them understandable for children, they've been simplified into there's this realm, afterlife, where, you know, or whatever. But there's, I don't think there's any point in, like, what, I'm saying there isn't, because, like, it, it's faith in either way, isn't it? There's no empirical evidence that, there, that, that, that consciousness is tied entirely to material. There's no empirical... No, there could be a heaven of a, a version of that, that, you you know, you don't yeah. die when you die, and there's some sort of better place, right? So, yeah, yeah. but... Because it's hard enough to get around ideas like mortality, and possibly, if I wonder, like, I don't think if it's some sort of weird, rudimentary kids' version of heaven for long, if it doesn't mature, that idea, I think it's probably quite harmful when you go, hold on a minute, there's no bloody proof about this. But... I don't know, God, belief and faith are sort of vital components of the nature of consciousness, aren't they? That's because it's a willing energy, as it were. If you have faith, like, I bet if you spoke to Wim Hof about these techniques that help you cope with the cold, if what's going on in your mind is, it's impossible to do this, I can't do this, I'll be freezing, ah! like that, that's, yeah. you're not going to have as good an experience if you go, I am completely able to Yeah, but in that experience, this. I think, well, he knows what he's doing, he's not going to mm. risk someone dying on his course. So you've, you've taken out the thinking for yourself, really, so that if he just said to you, here's the technique, now go off into Alaska, 
ayahuasca on your own. Sure, but that's what a prophet does or a priest does. A prophet embodies the ideas of spirituality. He says, like, I've been to that place. Like, that's what Christ yeah, yeah. was saying. Is I'm, com- like, I'm temporarily material, but I've been to the the other side as it were and like I don't think you know the same way as you wouldn't expect a child to understand it we're all on that scale like I told you before when I went and done I went to an adult education centre and give certificates to the kids I went to an adult education centre uh, I've eaten too much apples I'm so angry in our apple argument and I, um, I was eating apples to sort of get them out of the room sort of a sort of disarmament programme I went to this adult education centre I give this uh, woman with Downs a certificate for home economics and she was really moved and cried about it and I thought wow this is you know like it's only like for making fairy cakes and stuff uh, like, but for the with the <laughs> no I'm not saying I <laughs> you whisper that to her Listen, it's love. only for making fairy cakes and stuff <laughs> you're overreacting no, that, like my point, but like what sort of sim- like it was sort of amazing that someone could be so moved by something yeah, yeah. so simple and it was so genuine. But then I imagined someone sort of after they'd done a thesis on you know like the nature of bloody consciousness or astrophysics or whatever, in the eyes of a supreme consciousness, which just means a more advanced form of consciousness than this one, which it is possible to conceive of, although not literally, because I suppose those are the limitations we're discussing. They would look at all of the things like that we achieve and go, oh, how charming. How lovely the same way as we look back at the butchery you know of only a hundred years ago so i suppose is you have to accept that people are going to have reductive and simple versions of complex things just as some sort of what's interesting is like i always think this if you and i think we talked about this before if you took someone away from society right and because all the information we are standing on the shoulders of giants with what what even thunder is Mm. you would never have been able to work that out for yourself right so without all the knowledge that you achieve through primary school and then secondary school mm. things like what is thunder where's the rain coming from mm. why did my rabbit die all that sort of stuff and i'm not bitter about that i just want to say but like um you you don't know anything we're complete idiots aren't we really so like them believing that bad smells were bacteria were made you ill right that's sort yeah. of logical because yeah. corpses feces all the things that smell bad rotting food yeah mm. obvious stuff but what would you be Without all that other knowledge, you'd still be you, wouldn't you? You'd still be yeah. like if if you'd been taken away from your parents as a baby and put somewhere mm. in in isolation or with people who just didn't tell you anything. Yeah, what would you believe? So now? the things that you I think are interesting. Have some mad religion in your head. I've got one anyway. Like that, you know, the things that are like, you know, the biases. Like I think, are like so, like who, where are the biases around knowledge come f- coming from? Who gets yeah. the control? The type of knowledge that succeeds, and also when Ed Stafford, Ed Stafford, Ed Stafford. You when talk was, about him more than me. When he was talking, when he was talking about that abor- like those that Aboriginal culture, the uh, like even things. Never mind scientific knowledge. Even things like about the nature of self and oneness and the way that you think of time and space would be different. Like, an, in a way, there is more sense to time being cyclical than linear when you see that seasons come again, daylight comes what about again, these children night who, comes again. Past lives. I mean, yeah, what's that? There's some, I, as much, I try, I once looked into it in order to poo poo it because yeah. I thought, why do people get, there was this thing. I read this, um, there was a guy, a scientist who went to India 
to prove I'm um, like this is but paraphrasing. They were blagging. They were blagging it. I used go to live to a, here in my yeah. last life. Give yeah. us some money. So the rich families who'd lost a child, you'd take your kid there and go. He says he used to live here, and then they give you some money and sponsor your family, right? So he was went to prove that this was a legal situation that needed stamping out. Like <laughs> we're going to stamp this out. These poor kids begging from rich kids. <laughs> that's, that's what what, by was. a fair taxation I think system. That's why he no, went there to do by fucking the poor kids off. But, um, and he found so much evidence that was completely couldn't be explained of children knowing the layout of a house they've never been in all yeah. that stuff but even much more weird there's than that there's a kid in eastern Europe that's got like sort of just stories about yeah over there there's something buried there and they dug yeah. it oh yeah there was a documentary about yeah. a kid who was talking about an aeroplane landing on the beach and stuff like that and then they took him to this island the only place in Scotland where a plane lands on a beach and he knew his way around the garden he said there's a gate down there I to the beach I was a barrel boy it's him innit I was a barrel boy and he keeps saying to me that you were a barrel boy in his life like I was in barrel I was a little barrel boy barrel that place in be, Scotland yeah, yeah. anyway I suppose if consciousness is a kind of continuum more like a radio frequency rather than a sort of a self-contained object well, so they're tuning into someone else's possibly like you know the idea of self is a construct you'd just be aware that consciousness is this thing that you accessed maybe you weren't actually that person in another life but you're just tuning into frequencies these frequencies like a dodgem car where the dodgem's going up into that electric grid up there like the information and data is floating around in whatever a cloud is these days anyway I think we've resolved some of the greatest mysteries of life and we've also finished our William Tell gang fight with apples right yeah let's let's make up properly about the apples what should we do I'm sorry I threw that apple at you oh thank you and I'm sorry I had an apple thrown at me (laughs) what a childish response (laughs) that's why that even Matt's little tiny festival for my festival will be thwart with drunk contention. <laughs> see you next week. See you next week. What are we doing? What are we doing? Live show next one. Next one's the live one. It might make no difference to you. It's that the quality will probably drop further. <laughs> Russell Brand. Radio X.